As always, a huge thank you to Starboard, who are once again this season's main sponsors. Starboard has a history of innovation across water sports, starting in 1994 by revolutionising the design of windsurf boards. And they've brought that bang up to date recently, bringing foil windsurfing onto the Olympic stage with their IQ foil package. Starboard got behind stand-up paddleboarding in a huge way in the early days and continued to lead the industry to reduce their environmental impact. Their focus on innovation brought them seven world champions at the ICF Worlds last year, and all of them were using their Lima paddle range. They continue to improve and innovate their boards and their paddles for all abilities across all flavours of the sport, including adventure. And you can find out more about Starboard through their website, which is linked to in the show notes. Welcome to SUP FM, the sport's leading podcast, where we speak to inspiring people from the fastest growing water sport in the world. Our aim is to help you maximise your own experiences of stand-up paddleboarding and to deepen your love of the water as we chat with people from both inside and outside the SUP world. Every episode is designed to inspire, support and provide you with a deeper immersion through my conversations with leading athletes, scientists, adventurers, TED speakers and New York Times best-selling authors. If you like what we do, there are plenty of ways to support the podcast, including telling your friends, following us on social media. You can even buy me a coffee on Patreon or you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which will help others to find us. Whatever you can do, we appreciate it. In today's episode, I get to speak to Lizzie Carr, MBE, in her second appearance on the show. Water quality is a subject we often come back to, and Race for Rivers, Lizzie's initiative, is featured in a chat, which we had a few days before it started, and then some riverside reporting and chats on the water as we spent the first couple of days kicking the event off. So there's lots of interesting stuff in here, including a conversation about paddle adaptations and efficiency. So well worth a listen on all sorts of levels. Well, a huge welcome back to the show, Lizzie. We last spoke three and a half years ago in episode 27, which is one of my earlier episodes. So it's great to, to speak to you again. And when we last spoke as a cancer survivor, You'd already completed three world firsts on a paddleboard. You'd written a best-selling book and you'd founded uh, Planet Patrol, which is your non-profit set up from scratch to improve water quality. And you can obviously fill in some of the gaps, but your work has continued with Planet Patrol and you've also received a heap of very well-earned awards and recognition, including an MBE. So congratulations on all you've achieved over the last three and a half years. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting ride. So the paddleboard has always been front and centre for you and the approach that you always followed with Planet Patrol has been pretty consistent from the start and it's been focused on connecting individuals and groups, you know, giving them opportunities to connect with the water through hosted cleanups and other activities. And then the other side of it critically is all about capturing data and using it to apply leverage and to influence policy and brands because obviously while it's good to clean things up unless there's a way to evidence the issues there's no motivation for the organizations responsible to clean up their act and well there's lots to talk about with planet patrol and we'll cover that a bit later on as we've established the central ethos is connecting people who care about the water 
to produce data and your latest initiative, Race for Rivers, is possibly your most ambitious yet. And obviously <laughs> combines both those factors with a route which I know is hugely significant to you. So first of all, could you just explain the format of Race for Rivers? So Race for Rivers is essentially a nationwide relay of England's waterways from the most southerly point of the connected river and canal network, which is Godalming in Surrey, to the most northerly point, which is just shy of Kendal, a place called Stainton in the Lake District. And that journey, um, 642 kilometres, was my first major endurance challenge that I completed back in 2016 and it was a solo and sort of unsupported expedition and I was going up the waterways recording litter in um sort of just mapping it and and plotting litter so race for rivers now is retracing those steps but as a as a collective as a um a, a movement of people that are really passionate about protecting and championing our freshwater environments. The majority of us are paddlers because it is a paddleboarding relay. Um, but the difference this time is we're not tracking litter. We're taking water quality samples every five kilometers along that route and um, testing water and recording all of the data in a new feature in the Planet Patrol app. So you can still continue to test litter and um, sorry, continue to record litter. But now you can also record water quality. So things like nitrates, phosphates, pH levels, water temperature, coliform bacteria, um, all of these different sort of parameters so we can start to understand better the pathways of pollutants. And as you say, hold some of the polluters uh, responsible. So before we talk a a bit more about the testing and some of the details, why is it called Race for Rivers? Why did you name it that? An interesting question. I think for me, it's... it's, um, it is a race, it's a relay, but it's also a race against time. Um, you know, we're in a pretty dire situation with our freshwater environments, well, all water environments, but particularly for this campaign, freshwater environments. And um, not too long ago, government pushed back, it, it pushed back its targets to um, clean up our rivers for 75% of them to achieve what is called good ecological status Um by um, 36 years so we really are um, we're not in a good shape and I think we need more noise grassroots level activism and campaigning to show um, government that people are really passionate and people really care and to put more pressure on this issue. Um, so so let, let's talk about the rivers, because what we're looking at here is English rivers. Um, no rivers in the UK and Northern Ireland are showing up particularly well, but English rivers are particularly at threat. I think I saw some research where only 14% of them were showing up as as being adequate. And that, uh, in comparison to something around sort of 30 odd percent and 66%, I think was the figures I saw in Scotland, those figures might be out of date and certainly you've done your own sort of studies in 2022 so so it sounds like the English waterways are are, are particularly in trouble. Yeah so only 14% of English waterways achieve good ecological status and none not a single one achieves good chemical status so they really are in a you know in a terrible state and I think we all know that just from like the um the sewage scandal and all that's coming out around um the water companies and the kind of perpetual consistent polluting of our waterways through sewage over the you know last 10 20 years but what we're also seeing and we have seen is over the last 10 years a really sort of significant reduction in funding from government um to tackle this issue so we've seen about um 
two thirds of funding cut. And that's led to around a 74% reduction in water quality monitoring across England over the last 10 years. So what we don't have at the moment is a really clear baseline understanding of the problem. Um, And because we don't have that, we don't know the extent of it and we don't really have the the sort of the the um, the knowledge or the information to give us um, an idea of how to tackle it, like what the solutions need to be. And I think that's a lot of the the work that we're trying to do is kind of fill that massive void of information that's been left by sort of these huge funding cuts and this kind of lack of emphasis and um, action from government relating to our freshwater environments and using citizen science and the power of citizen science and collective action and the passion of people to come together and actually build that information back up and sort of gather this baseline understanding of what's going on. So the citizen science um activity that we do this it, it's it's sort of very simple um dipsticks recordings readings but that means it's also very accessible you know you don't have to be a scientist you don't have to be an expert you just have to be somebody that can um interpret very simple data and record it in a very simple app and then we can take that data and analyze that and identify patterns, trends, hotspots, anomalies, and then go with more sophisticated digital probes and equipment, or even sort of working with our academic partners and doing it sort of through lab testing um, and getting this much sort of deeper understanding of what the potential problems might be, what the pathways might be, and also how we can address it, how we can solve it, because we have the data there available to us. And and so there's a a real opportunity with Race for Rivers in order to do that work across the whole country. And I know that you did um, similar type of concept back in 2022. I was reading um, your document, 50 odd pages there, What Lies Beneath? And um, certainly that uncovered some fairly uncomfortable things, not least the fact that the stretch that I'm going to be doing on uh, um, the River Way showed up as being inadequate for all of the measures, basically. And I think there was only one river that actually showed up as as being adequate uh, across all of the measures. Yeah, the River Dart down in Devon was the only one that actually showed, um, I think it passed all of the parameters that were tested. But you're right, the the, the Riverway was one of our um, sort of case studies that we'd pulled out as being most polluted. But what's really interesting about that, if you know the Riverway, um, it is a beautiful stretch of water. So much so it's in my guidebook um, as one of my routes to paddle. And it's probably one of my favourite sections of... Um, sort of the the, the route that I did through the length of England and I think this is the problem is just because a river looks beautiful um, and the why is another excellent example of this it's the invisible pollutants it's what you can't see with your naked eye that's really scary and problematic and that's what we're trying to tackle and that applies in so many areas with this sport it applies for safety as well if people can't see it they think that there isn't a problem Um, and there are a lot of invisible dangers but also invisible pollutants all absorbed within that water so so in terms of the testing that that's carried out you talked a little bit about it what sort of things are, are the tests sort of designed to uncover So we're testing for multiple different parameters. We're testing for phosphates, for nitrates, for um, pH levels, 
coliform bacteria and in the pilot we also did heavy metal testing so that's from things like abandoned or active mines for example Um, but that was all lab tested that's not um sort of sort of as simple as a citizen science testing that we're doing with the other parameters Um, and that will help us understand things like for example coliform bacteria is essentially sewage Um, and we do a, a presence and absence test so we're not sort of necessarily understanding the exact levels of sewage that we're seeing we're understanding if it's present in that waterway or absent from it so it's just what we're doing is getting indicators we're getting accurate information but not precise information um, and I think that's what people need to sort of um, understand a bit more about citizen science is um, we know this isn't you know groundbreaking academic research but what it's doing is creating a pathway to that and allowing um, much more targeted educated research to be done through citizen science data and input um, so the other sort of pollutants that we're testing for or, or parameters that we're testing for like nitrates and phosphates that could be from it could be from sewage pollution it could be from agriculture it could be from surface runoff of roads there's lots of different reasons why our rivers and our, our freshwater environments are polluted and I think what we're trying to do um, and what I'm trying to do as an, an, an individual but as an organization as well is kind of move the conversation forward from just sewage pollution yes that's a massive problem and it really needs to be addressed and tackled um in a sort of a long-term coherent way but there's also other factors that need to be talked about and discussed and um debated uh, like agriculture like surface runoff like all these other you know abandoned and active mines all these other um issues that um aren't really in the in the public space yet and i don't have the answers i don't have the solutions i just want to do the research to facilitate that conversation so that we can find the solutions and, and what sort of damage does that cause so we talked about phosphates and obviously you know sewage dis- discharges and and so on what what damage does that actually do to the river um i mean it, it it's a big question. I think you've kind of got the the ecological impact, um, where it's affecting marine life and marine species, um, and the sort of flora and fauna around it. Um, it's creating imbalances in um, sort of the, the water itself. It's the human impact. I think that's one area that um, we really don't know the extent of and it isn't really being researched as much and I think we've we um last year asked sort of people to share case studies around um you know whether or if they've been affected by poor water quality personally and I think my own campaigning started from my um my own experiences so when I was training for one of my endurance challenges um on the River Trent near to where I live um I I, I fell in I was doing something on the whitewater uh, course up there and I and I fell in and I got really ill and it was sort of a bit of a joke you know I'll drink a can of coke and um, kill everything off and you'll be fine and you almost need to take a step back and think about the way that we are talking about being ill from our freshwater environments it shouldn't be normalized in that way we shouldn't just expect to get sick from falling in a river and yes there is a difference between a waterway that is fit for humans and fit for fish um but you still shouldn't necessarily have to feel that you might you know potentially die from what's in a waterway which is you know the reality of it um without being sort of too sensationalist um and I think that happened to me and it was sort of like questioning 
what you know what does them why are we just acting like this is okay that we should just expect this and then following that we then started having um reps so people the sort of instructors that run our um our cleanups they were they were sort of contacting us just one or two the first year sort of saying actually we probably can't run an event because there's been um rainfall there's been sewage releases and it's not actually fit for people to be out on the water on um and they were cancelling their own sessions with paid customers because of poor water quality and again you're sort of questioning hang on this is like impacting people commercially as well like these are their their livelihoods and their businesses on the waterways like it's affecting us people are trying to raise money and doing challenges on uh, the waterways and we can't um they can't run, go and do these challenges so we, we you know we can't be funded in all, as an organization and um other clubs around the country can't operate because of this and it's just you sort of it opens this huge can of worms right and you're sort of thinking this this needs to be taken more seriously and we shouldn't just be laughing this off we should really be fighting against this and some of the case studies we got back you know people getting sick their children being ill their dogs being really ill and um, it's just not being talked about and it's just not hitting the, the, the public in the mainstream the way that it needs to be. And as a surfer myself or sometime surfer, you know, it, it's a consideration now. You look at the Surfers Against Sewage um, app to see whether there's been a spill recently. No matter what the waves are like down he- here on the south coast, and God knows they're rare enough anyway, but we always have to think a second time if, if there's been a big rainfall the day before, because you just know that it's not going to work. And the other thing that you mentioned is ecology and one of the effects of sewage and phosphates is the effect on algae and the effects of oxygen on some of those rivers, which really end up absorbing the oxygen and, and make it a far less hospitable place for um, fish life to, to live there. So you mentioned paddle boarding, wild swimming is, is another one, which is a favourite recently, fishing. It really causes a huge amount of, of damage, not just to the ecology, but also people's mental health you know nature and water has such a powerful effect on us so you know it's pretty much catastrophic so you've captured data over a number of years um I'd just be interested in the engagement that you've had from agencies and government, because I, I did see a, a picture of you hobnobbing with the prime minister. I think it was a couple prime ministers ago, but at, at 10 Downing Street. I, I, you know, it sounds like they're moderately interested. What, what's been the approach for government since you've been doing this? And have you noticed it change over the last sort of five or six years? It's a really good question. So, um in terms of our litter data and litter um, database, I think there's been a real shift because plastics become such a hot topic and um, it's very much on the radar of, of policymakers. Um, and I think, you know, we feed our litter data into government's DEFRA's dashboard. Um, we share our litter data with government for sort of research into consultation. So things about like um, banning plastic straws and um, the levy on bags and those kind of things. All of our data is sort of used in that way. So we've seen strides forward in citizen science data being accepted and given the sort of credit and respect it deserves in that space. But I think because we're still quite early days with the data that we're collecting on water quality you know we piloted it back in 2022 with a very small group of people we went away we spent the last sort of year and a bit refining all of those learnings to so we can develop this sort of national rollout in a way that is 
um, scientifically robust and can withstand the scrutiny of policymakers, even though it is very simple citizen science. Um, I think we're yet to see sort of what the, the reception will be to that. Um, but what I do think is that we need a lot of data over a period of time consistently collected so that we can legitimately start to show um, patterns and and trends in the way that we have with our litter data. So I think we've got a really good um, template as to um, how citizen science data can influence and can make a difference. And we now need to apply that to water quality. So Race for Rivers, there's a real opportunity here to make a direct contribution to, to this vital knowledge. So um, I'd really encourage you, if you're listening to this, um, if you are remotely able to, to go to planetpatrol.co and take part in this or, or any other of those initiatives um, that, uh, Lizzie, you're, you're running if you can. And, and just as we speak, it's uh, a few days ahead of the start of Race for Rivers. It's running for about 32 days in all. So when this episode gets re- released, there will still be an opportunity to, to take part if you are quick. So how can people take part in Race for Rivers? So you can head to the website, which is planetpatrol.co forward slash race dash four dash rivers, but I'm sure you'll link to it. Um, and like you say, you can sign up there for a spot and um, we've got a water quality uh, testing program that we're looking to roll out after race for rivers is completed so you can head to the website there and express interest it's called what lies beneath um we've got it live tracked so if you don't want to come out and paddle a section then you can come and support us by cheering us on um, i'm sure people will be very welcoming of that if you've got your own board and you want to sort of get involved separately independently um from planet patrol you can do that too and um, there's you know we've just tried to create a, a very fun easy way for people to um to get involved and do something meaningful to to address this issue and, and just to point out you don't need to be a sup athlete or extreme adventurer to take part in this Absolutely not. So the section sizes range from sort of two kilometres to 20 kilometres. And we've got a mix of rivers and canals as part of the route. So there really is sort of something for everybody there. And that we'll have what's called pace setters um, along the way, which are coaches or very experienced paddlers that will guide everybody through. So you won't just be kind of entirely on your own and they'll help sort of show how to do the water quality testing side of things and just sort of be there and if you need a helping hand for anything that they'll be next to you brilliant well look forward to seeing you by the river way for the launch of race for rivers soon thanks for everything you're doing it's a real race at the moment for the health of rivers in england at the moment lizzie thanks for joining us and uh, yeah we'll see you soon thank you so much thanks for having me Looking to take your performance to the next level? Then look no further than Ocean Specific. Introducing the Strike Series VRX, the ultimate sup paddle designed for maximum power and efficiency. Its firm flex shaft optimizes energy transfer for efficient paddling. Its double dihedral blade ensures an unrivaled grip on the water, boosting your surfing, racing and touring performance. Ocean Specific sponsors and promotes UK surf and race culture, supporting athletes and adventurers 
adventure racing teams, including the Shack team competing in this year's Yukon 1000. And they're committed to providing professional grade equipment at an accessible price. Visit oceanspecific.com today to explore their range of high performance paddles, hardware and apparel. And the links to all of our sponsors are in the show notes. If you're looking for some bulletproof kit for your next expedition, then I both use and recommend Overboard. Overboard are the leaders in waterproofing your life and produce a wide range of stylish and 100% waterproof technology cases, dry bags, backpacks and duffels. Tough and hard wearing Overboard products have been proven in every kind of environment. Whether you're paddleboarding, sailing, relaxing on a boat or just chilling on the beach, an Overboard waterproof bag, backpack, duffel or technology case will keep your valuables safe and dry every time. Keep it dry with Overboard. And for more details, check out the link in the show notes. I'm here in Godalming ahead of the start for Race for Rivers at a place called Phillips Memorial Park. And for those of you familiar with the Titanic, the park is named after J.G. Phillips, who was the telegraph operator who very courageously stayed at his post, sending out SOS messages as the ship sank. It's about eight o'clock in the morning and I was very kindly put up overnight by Sarah and Anthony who run Sup Junkie. Godalming is a town in the county of Surrey down here in the south of England. It's been here a while and it's typically old English with lots of winding roads and old architecture and very green. And as I look out, I look up to a, a church steeple and then across the park, I can just see a bench sitting there about 100 metres away from where I am across the green and next to the bandstand, which is right next to my first glance, the Riverway, which will be the launch point for Race for Rivers and is where Lizzie started her paddle in 2016. And we'll be paddling the way navigation for the next couple of days until we reach the River Thames and on to Shepparton Lock, which is where we'll be handing over to the next people to take the baton of Race for Rivers. So it's a a beautiful, natural green landscape. There aren't many people around at the moment, apart from people crossing the park on the way to work and a few school kids. But I can just see that a van has arrived and it looks like there is going to be some unloading of kit shortly. So I'll just put this down and go and give them a hand. Never lose any opportunity to explore new and interesting SUP technology. And while everyone was preparing for the start... I got chatting to a man who has led in the development of a particular scientific-based improvement to paddles, which helps paddle efficiency, and which I'd had my eye on for a while. So I had to take the opportunity to ask him about it in more detail. So we're here on the start line of Race for Rivers, and uh, various people are gathering to uh, see us off, and one of them is Duncan from Oscar propulsion now oscar propulsion is a very clever well they supply a very clever bit of uh, functionality to paddles um so duncan welcome to godalming i know it's not too far for you to travel could you just explain a bit about uh, why you're here this morning and a bit about oscar propulsion certainly thank you for inviting me it's uh we're here today because we're lending a couple of paddles uh, to for the expedition down the river. And the paddles have a series of cuts through the blade. And what the cuts do is they allow um, 
a more progressive power curve within the paddling stroke, which de-stresses the body. Um, and the physics behind it is really quite interesting. It came out of uh, reducing cavitation on marine propellers. And what the cuts do is they allow a little bit of water to flow through the blade. Um, but that water being on the front of the blade initially is high pressure and that's giving you the propulsive force across the surface. But what you're also doing is creating a, a, a low pressure, more vacuum area at the back and water tends to like to flow around the blade and that's why you get a flutter to try and you know the water's trying to fill that vacuum at the back of the blade. But water flowing through loses its pressure and becomes low pressure because of all those edges on the cuts uh, you're causing friction which also gives you grip why the paddle grips better uh, and you're maintaining that high low difference reducing the flutter almost to zero uh, and then reducing the strain because that power curve is putting the power more through the stroke rather than loading it right at the front so, so that's fascinating science because you would think by having holes in your paddle it would actually reduce it, but it would actually improve the um, the the cadence, I guess. It would also lessen one of the issues that paddlers tend to get, which is sort of rotator cuff issues. So it very much, I would imagine, reduces that effect. And as you say, the flutter reduces stroke efficiency. So it works on, on all sorts of, of levels. And I know that you've got a, a few people out there who've been testing it. Well, David Hayes, the nomadic paddler, has been uh, was an early adopter of our cut paddles. And uh, we applied the cuts to his starboard um, lemur, uh, and he's been paddling with it ever since. He won't he won't change it now. Um, the he has seven Guinness World Records, all paddling with cut paddles, uh, and uh, he finds that those long distances that uh, you know really reduces the strain on his uh, um, shoulders and the neck, and the. Uh, the latest one, the paddle down the Thames, was on a tandem board, uh, and he was with the. Um, um, I can't the remember pa the paddling paramedic. Pa paddling paramedic. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and they they did it together, mm. and they both had cup paddles, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they knocked something like uh, ten hours, just maybe just over ten hours off the off the Guinness record uh, for a tandem board. Uh, and that was with cut paddles. Well, it's great to meet you. Very random. I mean, we do like a bit of science nerdery on the podcast. So uh, if you're happy, I'd love to invite you back and uh, perhaps go into this in a bit more detail. I'd be very pleased to do that, yes. And I'll bring some science with me. Fabulous. Well, it's the end of day one of the two days we're spending on a race for rivers and paddling up the way. And the launch was great fun. And we've just covered the first day's mileage at what I'd say is a probably a very gentle and meandering pace. The weather today has been humid and sunny it's been about 25 centigrade but most of the time we've been paddling under a bit of a parasol of trees so we've got lots of traditional water loving trees like huge willows and the more mature trees like oaks protecting us on the way so it's kept us very shaded. We were sent off on our way this morning by the Deputy Mayor of Godalming and his wife. 
the deputy mayor was very suitably named Paul Rivers and he said a few words on the riverbank and there were also some children from the local school who came down to see us off alongside other supporters and well-wishers. And we set off in a bit of a flotilla and were joined during the day by people who dropped into the waterway. And although it was a really social day, it's a really good opportunity to chat and to learn about others. Um, there were some new and more experienced members of the sport coming out with us. And there was also the advantage of there being lots of opportunity to help others with the portages, because there were quite a few of them today, which took quite a bit of muscle power, um, particularly with full kit. All this River navigation on the way is owned and maintained by the National Trust and we stop for a coffee and a cake midway through and a test of the water at one of the National Waterway Centres just on the other side of Guildford. And while it's peaceful, the way is still very active. Um, there are lots of people living on the river in narrowboats and the lockkeepers' cottages have, have all been maintained by the National Trust and they are just as idyllic as you'd expect it to be with climbing roses and a real sort of snapshot of the past when these canals were the fastest travel network of the day for industry. And I think that's probably some of the reason why there are still pubs right next to the river, which is where we've stopped at the end of the day to test the water again. So before we part company with Lizzie and the Planet Patrol crew and all those paddlers who've accompanied us tonight, uh, me and my fellow paddlers, Sarah Subjunkie Thornley and Skip Innes, who has just returned from the Yukon 1000, uh, we're going to do a bit of wild camping ahead of tomorrow's paddle. So before we grab a pint and something to eat at the pub, I suppose we had better just get set up. So it's the start of day two of Race for Rivers and we've just spent a decent night while camping near to the river. And I say decent night... I was joined in my little tent by a small frog who kept me awake by hopping onto my leg with perfect timing just as I was drifting off. And just because he was very well hidden and, you know, I couldn't find him for ages um, and I didn't find him until about three in the morning. So I'm just really glad I didn't roll over and squash him. But uh, once he had left, I did have a much better night's sleep. So it's seven o'clock now. We've got to pack up. We've got Andrew joining us in an hour to do the first stint of today's relay and water tests. And then we've got a few hours paddling ahead of the next pub on the river where we will get our breakfast and our first coffee of the day. And also where I think Lizzie might be joining us again. So time to get going. So we've had a great stop for breakfast and I managed to grab a great chat with Lizzie. And then... I realised I hadn't recorded it, so we had to do it all again. So here it is, and I'm going to blame that frog. I'm going to start again. I'm so sorry. Ever the professional. Yes, I mean, recording is obviously an important part of the whole thing. (laughs) Pressing the right button, this is... uh, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Do you know what? You've had a long day and a long night. I have. You've had my, a frog my in your bed. Eye, right? Yeah, I know. You can make a mistake. Exactly. So um, we're here on day two of um, Race for Rivers, and we're at the Anchor Pub in Wisley. I don't want people to think that this has just been um, a pub crawl all the way through, but uh, there are a number of pubs on the route, and we stopped here for a, a coffee and 
and breakfast. And uh, Lizzie's joined us at the start of day two. Um, Lizzie, what's your impression of um, day one and, and how things have gone so far? I've been really pleased, actually. Um, yesterday went without too many hiccups. In fact, I don't think there were any real major issues. Uh, all the changeovers happened at the right time. All of the uh, paddle bearers were there, ready to go when we needed them. Uh, everyone kept a great pace throughout the day. And it was just a really joyful, positive supportive day really and um, I just came away with a massive high and just excited about the rest of this challenge. And what was so exciting um, not just the fact that we were joined by paddlers en route who were tracking us and just um, just getting you know getting onto the water with us and giving us that boost but also I know that just in in the first sort of day there's been a huge increase in people signing up to do stages um, of the race for rivers. Yeah it's been phenomenal actually so as soon as we started yesterday we just got this massive influx of people signing up for later on in the challenge like you can tell the momentum's really building now and I just expect that to continue throughout the rest of this journey. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for putting this on. It's been it's been colossal. It's been such a privilege to be involved in this. And obviously, this is the precursor to, um, you know, work throughout the year in order to continue this monitoring effort. But, you know, congratulations to you and your team. Spent a bit of time with your team yesterday. They're absolutely fantastic as well. You've got some fantastic support, both, you know, from your organisation, but also amongst the paddle community. So uh, best of luck for the rest of it. Thank you very much. And can I just say, and you might cut this bit out, but you have been an incredible support on this journey as well. And, you know, you've been here from the start, documenting everything, really giving the positive vibes to this trip. And we really appreciate you and everything that you've done as well. Thanks, Lizzie. <laughs> and I mean that. Oh, thank you. So I'm recording this not far away from the end of day two of this 32 day initiative. And today has involved, again, quite a fair few portages and some quite long ones. We've paddled along the back of some really lovely properties, so very nice to see how the other half live. And we also paddled underneath the M25, which is the, the five or six lane motorway which orbits Greater London. And we saw some stunning graffiti art on the stanchions which support the motorway. Met some really kind people along the way, this afternoon's highlight was running into a couple of canoeists who just happened to be leading lights in the Adelston Canoe Club and they invited us back to their clubhouse on the river and uh, gave us some coffee and cake which was really well timed and it didn't hit the sides as it went down. We did see some life in the rivers and one of the key advantages of a paddleboard is that you can look from above down deep into the water and that allows you to see more. And while the water wasn't particularly clear, at the upper end of the river where we launched yesterday we did see fish fry in the weeds um, and over the few days we've seen plenty of insects and a kingfisher and of course um, a frog. So we took all of that as a positive. Um, we also saw a sewage outfall pipe releasing wastewater directly into the river and because it hadn't rained for at least two days and then only lightly um, it really indicated to me the value of all of these ongoing measurements that we've been taking because otherwise no one would know that this sort of thing is happening and if people don't know then why would they care what's going on 
On the positive side, one of the really surprising things on the journey was the lack of visible plastic, litter or other waste. We couldn't see any great volumes in or around the water at any stage, even underneath the M25. So I think that's very positive for this river. And I know it's not the same for all, but for the riverway, I guess it's just the things that we can't see, hence the measurement. Anyway, the value of this campaign is really clear to me. We've got stunning rivers where nature is still hanging on. And it's obviously a gift that keeps on giving in terms of connecting the people who value the river. And we met a lot of those over our two days on the water. But we can't just assume that the nature is going to be there forever. Um, you know, there is a danger of it becoming a toxic desert of wildlife because, frankly, it wasn't teeming with life today and nature is definitely not thriving on the river as it is. So we've done it. It's been a really lovely two days. I've met loads of great people on a stunning stretch of the way navigation. And if you are making plans to visit this part of the world and to paddle on this river, then it's a beautiful stretch. And you can buy a three day license for your paddle from the National Trust. And that very small fee helps to finance some of the ongoing upkeep of the navigation, which is otherwise mostly supported by volunteers. If you are doing this stretch, there are some locks to portage. And so if you have shoulder straps and handles either end of your sup, that will make your life a whole lot easier. So special thanks to Lizzie Carr, Sarah Thornley, who on this and in so many other things that we've collaborated on has been fantastic to work with. And this time it's been a great pleasure paddling with Skip, who was doing this paddle several weeks after the Yukon 1000, which in itself is quite amazing, and who remained effortlessly positive, obviously an A1 team player, and I can exactly see why his partnership with Craig during the Yukon 1000 was such a success. Race for Rivers continues until early October, and you can track progress on the site planetpatrol.co, and we'll link to it in the show notes. And regardless of whether you're listening to this ahead of the finish or afterwards, you can still contribute to the charity. You can support its ability to supply these very expensive testing sets and you can follow the results of the monitoring. And there is still an opportunity to maybe even become a citizen scientist and to do some testing on the water yourself. So as always, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the water. Mm -hmm.